The Water News is sponsored by Clearwater and Filtration, offering solutions for water quality, well operations, maintenance, and water storage management problems. Well, it's time for Water News with Steve Baker. And Steve, uh, today let's talk about the various ways that California water-related bills get passed and implemented. All right. That's an interesting conversation because, you know, there is an intended purpose and outcome of these California bills. And a lot of times they can be quite different when the public starts pushing back on them when, when you begin to implement them. Or, you know, sometimes public does not push back very much. But uh, here's a bill. Here's a recent bill, okay, that was passed. It's a testing for lead in drinking water at preschools, uh, not only preschools, but also uh, child daycare facilities and K-12 through schools on public land. It's called AB 249. And as you can imagine, Flint, Michigan, has something to do with why we passed this right here in our own state of California. Uh, schools, uh, the way it's stated, schools that were built before 2010 and they are served by a community water system, they need to be tested. All the potable water outlets need to be tested for lead. And then that needs to be reported to the school, the educational agency, and also the state water regulators. Now, if the lead concentrations in that water, that drinking water, is uh, less, is greater than five parts per billion, that's a small amount, but it doesn't take much, they need to shut it down. And then it needs to be shut down immediately. Um, now, all of this has to be accomplished by 2000. 27. So uh, they're giving them a few years to get this thing done. Now, many times the pushback actually sounds reasonable. For example, the school administrators in the California Association of School Business Officials, they're concerned that the water supplies to the entire schools could be closed down because there's a, a positive, there's a high lead content. And how, how are you going to teach if you have to close down your school? You need water for a lot of different things. Now, the intermediate response that they're hoping to, uh, to get accepted is if you flush the water for 30 seconds prior to use, a lot of times that will lower the lead levels to a level that's safe. So you need interim steps is the name of the game, and that's how the public pushed back in that particular situation. So there's still a lot of actions that need to be taken once a bill is passed. Quite a process, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Steve. Um it sounds reasonable. Are there other, maybe less reasonable <laughs> outcomes that have happened in the past? Oh, well, you probably already know the answer to that. There is a pending situation happening right now. Let me explain. Everyone has heard of the declining groundwater levels in many parts of the Central Valley, okay? It's common. Everybody knows this, not only in our country, our state, our country, but also around the world. In order to correct this over-pumping problem, California passed the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act in 2014. This was considered a really rare large-scale environmental reform for managing groundwater resources more sustainably. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind type of thing. They are trying to avoid undesirable impacts. We don't want undesirable impacts, and they're defined in a number of different ways, but a couple of those ways is we don't want to have chronic lowering of the groundwater levels, and we don't want to have land subsidence. It causes all kinds of problems. Now, more recently, the scientific paper was published in the scientific journal called Nature. People have heard of that. And that, that was uh, uh, published this year. The authors looked into the minimum threshold requirements that the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act 
is is enforcing, and also the monitoring points where compliance is is made from. So that's what they're focused on right now. How did they research of uh, this program? Uh, the authors reviewed 60 of the groundwater sustainability plans in 35 different sub-basins in the Central Valley. These plans discuss everything, you know, wh- where they're vulnerable, what they're going to do about it, how quickly are they going to bring those water levels down or up uh, to a more shallow depth and, you know, correct the problems. Now, this particular research was trying to answer three questions. Okay, the first question is, how did expected water levels compare when you project the, the levels of improvement to year 2040, which is when everyone's supposed to be in compliance? And the secondly, you know, how, how will the expected water levels impact domestic and public water supplies? Okay, very different from the Central Valley. I mean, when I think of Central Valley, I think of tomatoes. I think of all kinds of vegetables and nuts and things. So uh, public water supplies, domestic supplies, how will they be impacted uh, through time? And then lastly, to what extent are the vulnerable groups like disadvantaged communities being monitored and measured? You know, are they being considered in, in what's being happening right now down there? Well, what did they find, Steve? Well, first of all, the legislative strategy is a top-down, bottom-up approach, and that means that the state's deciding on the ultimate goal criteria, okay, those uh, undesirable consequences. And then the local groundwater sustainability agencies that were created in various areas, they decide how to actually implement the program to safeguard and prevent achieving, you know, getting into these undesirable consequences. That's how it's set up. So people have come together, groups have come together, many stakeholders have come together. What they have found is this, the groundwater levels, now this was 2014 when it was passed, right? Uh, when, uh, so now it's 2023. So now the groundwater levels are expected to decline <laughs> under the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act anyhow. So in other words, they're, they're really not going to make much of an improvement. This is what they're projecting. The management approaches submitted to the state result in the same groundwater level declines as business as usual extraction. Sounds like politics might be coming into play and all that. And, uh, and lastly, thousands of domestic and public supply wells are at risk of losing some or all of their water. So it's not a good outcome. They need to make some adjustments. It was noticed that the water stakeholders didn't include all the water users with equal weight or even at all. And the monitoring points, they don't always monitor the areas of domestic and water supply wells, uh, in, in especially in including the disadvantaged communities. So there are blind spots in how things are being implemented. Now, when I reflect on what's going on with the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act and its implementation, I'm trying to consider, I'm I'm trying to look at, so how how are we in the foothills going to be responding to our declining water levels as they develop? And they will, like most places, you know, when we get into these significant uh, periods of drought. And so what I find, what I've learned from this is really we need to fall back on, on the fundamental value systems that we are as a community. That's the fundamental base. And so if we can evaluate various groundwater management options in the foothills by first testing those and see how they align with our values, you know, what, how we want to treat each other, then we will find success in the foothill communities, and we'll be proud of it. So I'm hoping that we're going to learn from the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. And as these, these uh, regulations pass, uh, our state uh, capital, we here in the foothills will implement them very appropriately and very effectively for all those in the community. 
Very optimistic, Steve. <laughs> you, you always I'm, are. I'm hopeful. <laughs> <clears throat> Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at apparitionunite.co.